stand up and join with Brock and worship him.
And much has been made of that King of Kings this weekend. We have worshiped him and we have uh, heard his word open before us. And uh, man, our students have worshiped and we have learned and we have grown together. Uh, you can go ahead and, and have a seat for just a moment. I, I did want to take a moment, and I'll mess this up if I start trying to name people, but if you if you had any hand in D-Now whatsoever, please stand up for me so you can be recognized and, and applauded. Host home, brought food, did whatever. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Could not do it at all without the help of the church, the body of Christ, pulling together and, and making it happen. And I need to make special mention this morning, she's not here because we got two sick kids that have been shipped off to other families to take care of for the weekend. But my wife I, I, and me and our speaker, Jonathan Kofer, have, have spoken about this all, all weekend, that we are not really good at much of anything without our wives right next to us and putting things together for us and making sure that we don't look like dummies, which we end up doing most of the time anyway. So thank you, Heather. I know you're watching. I love you. And you already know, but I can't, I couldn't thank you enough and I can't do this without you. So I, I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So Kofer, Jonathan Kofer is a buddy of mine from seminary. He spoke for us this week all the way from Arkansas. Y'all make him feel welcome this morning. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Love you. He's been faithful to the word. Guys, there's so many things that we could talk about this weekend, but I just want you to know that, that, that God has been worshiped this, this weekend. We have worshiped him. Um, and that's, that's the most important thing that, that could have taken place is that we worship him and make much of him. Um, and I pray, and I, I want you to join in and pray with, with me and with us as, as we continue to, to lead and shepherd our students that they will continuously find ways to live out their faith each and every day. And that they'll wake up every morning knowing that his mercies are new and that they can really, really, truly rely on him, live in him, and know that they can live a life that's fulfilled, be awake and alive in Christ Jesus. So y'all pray that with me um, as, we, uh, as we continue leading and guiding and, and trying to follow our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? If you're a visitor here with us this morning, we welcome you. Thank you for, for visiting with us this morning. You'll find in your seat back a, just a, a small form, just a little bit of information there. Uh, we'd love for you to fill that out and drop it in the plate on the way by, on the way out or with, a, with an usher or with a pastor or whoever. Uh, that way we can know how to minister to you better. We really appreciate you being here and invite you to worship with us and uh, sing your heart out and worship Jesus. Uh, now is the time, the church, that we have worshiped our Lord and Savior with our tithes and offerings. So we're going to do that now. And uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll do that, and we'll continue worshiping. So you can go ahead and, and uh, stand, and we will get back to worship after prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness, Father. God, that you would uh, save us, God, us evil, sinful, dark people who, who know nothing of good in us, Father. But... But God, you've looked down on us and given us your son as a perfect sacrifice so that we can live a life that is full of joy and full of peace and full of 
uh, mercy uh, because of you. So, Father, we, we thank you for that this morning. God, we use this time as a corporate time of worship to you, that we have, we've come together and we sing, but we also give back, Father. So I pray that you'll take this and bless it, use it for your kingdom and your glory and your good. Father, we love you. We praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Everyone says.
Amen. Well, you can grab a seat. So good to see you here. One thing I, I do want to make mention of, Taylor recognized a few of them. I do just want to take a second just to recognize our small group leaders. And so if all our small group leaders would just stand up real quick. Yeah, let's just uh, thank them for taking time to come and pour into our students this weekend. If you've never been a D-NOW small group leader, it is an experience. Um, and so they're, they're with the students the entire time, um, leading small groups, um, but then just helping facilitate, build relationships. And so we're so appreciative of them. Um, they, they decided to be here this weekend for the purpose of pouring in and helping disciple our students. We can't tell them how much we appreciate them taking time out of their weekend. They could have done anything else this weekend. But they decided to be here to pour into the lives of our students, and we can't tell them how much we appreciate that. So this morning, I'm, I'm excited 
um, to welcome Zach Watson. I, I shared um, this week, I was, I was out of town and I'm not one to try to just throw a sermon together for the sake of throwing a sermon together to preach. That's not my personality, nor did I want to give you the leftovers of what I was studying all week. You didn't want those leftovers. Um, and so several months back, I contacted Zach and we, we kind of set this date with D-Now and me being out of town and knowing Taylor had a lot on his plate this weekend. Um, didn't want to add preaching to that plate. And so we, we ironed out getting him here this weekend. But I've known Zach a long time. Um, and so going all the way back to, to high school, um, known of, known Zach and known of Zach and, um, we, we've walked through some stuff together and I uh, can't tell him how much I appreciate him. Zach was actually there, um, back in the fall when airline almost lost its entire church staff to lightning. Um, Zach was there at that event. And, uh, and so we've been through some stuff, lightning strike, um, but give him your attention this morning as he comes and preaches the words. Zach, come on up. Let's take a second to welcome him. I love you. Amen. When I found out that Zach Johnson was coming back to North Georgia, I was so excited because I've always looked up to Zach because he's taller than I am. Amen. Amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. It is uh, quite surreal for an East Hall kid to stand here at Airline Baptist Church. Uh, your church is responsible for uh, shaping generations of, of young people, uh, my generation included, and I want to say thank you so much for your, your hospitality even this morning, but your focus on discipleship, knowing that this morning is the the closing uh, moments of a D-Now weekend, isn't it a joy to know that we can still invest in the lives of the generation that's coming after us? That is an encouragement, isn't it? I hope to be an encouragement to you today. If you've got a copy of God's Word, I ask for you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. If you have found that chapter, would you once again stand? This is Baptist aerobics. If you would stand all over the congregation. I've learned in evangelism it's much easier to fall asleep sitting down than it is standing up. Can I get just a small witness this morning? Amen. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2. And let's begin reading in verse number 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then... Brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. I'm not going to preach these verses, but I do want to read them. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, 
Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. You may be seated. It may not be the most common theme that you will find in First and Second Thessalonians, but one thing that has leaped off of the page for me in the recent days of studying these two letters is this. The Apostle Paul had much thanksgiving for these young believers. Analyzing Paul's prayers in First and Second Thessalonians reveals some healthy marks of a life that is in Christ. As you consider prayers, the Apostle Paul prayed, found in First and Second Thessalonians, you will see that it is the Apostle Paul who speaks about their character. He speaks about their confidence. He speaks about the strength of their community in previous prayers. And in the next chapter in 2 Thessalonians, we read that he has an emphasis placed in his prayer life concerning their consistency. There's something to be said about faithfulness. But in our text this morning, as we read of Paul's prayers for this church, there's something to be said about clarity. Clarity concerning our identity. I wonder this morning if you know who you are and whose you are. They understood who they were and whose they were. Were. But this knowledge didn't come without trial. In fact, terrible conditions have gotten worse. Notice there are two letters to the Thessalonians. The first letter was written to encourage them in the midst of trial, but this trial has only gotten worse. The persecution has increased. The, the pressure is beginning to mount, so much so that these Thessalonian believers at this stage in their life are thinking that God has forgotten about them. Now, I say that because they are struggling with the reality of the day of the Lord or the coming of Christ. They are worried that Jesus had already appeared and they were left behind. Why? Because of the persecution, because of the frustration, because of the, the confusion. They now are, are facing days where they're even questioning the very existence of Jesus Christ himself. Hear me this morning. We may not be facing what they were facing. They weren't facing what we're facing. You're not facing what I'm facing. <laughs> And frankly, I'm probably not facing what you're facing. But I hope you would agree with me today. The struggle is real. And we are all facing something. And knowing this, knowing that none of us will leave this walk of life unscathed, knowing the struggle, knowing that the struggle may cause us to lose heart when things aren't going our way, it's the Apostle Paul who not only puts pen to paper, but has an attitude of gratitude as he brings them to the throne of God in prayer. 
because he knows that their experience could cause discouragement. In their working and in their waiting, maybe because of a lack of wins, we, we sometimes are susceptible to forgetting who we are and whose we are. I wonder if we are operating as if we have forgotten. Several years ago, I heard Paul David Tripp, a pastor and author, share a story that really brought my entire life into focus. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He, he leaned up on the rostrum of the pulpit and he, he put his, his right elbow leaned in and said she was 33 years old. And what was supposed to be an average, mundane work day was a day that would live in infamy. You see, this young lady was to go to her job in Dallas, Texas, but she didn't arrive there. In fact, many hours later, she found herself at 3.30 a.m. in Santa Fe, New Mexico, not knowing where she was. She didn't know how she had gotten there. She didn't know who to contact, but she had enough wits about her in this moment to, to book a hotel room. And so there in that hotel room, she went to sleep and woke up the next morning only to look across a hotel room that had a purse draped over a chair that she didn't recognize. She noticed that there was clothing in the room that she didn't remember, so she stumbled into the, the, the bathroom area and she looked in the mirror at herself and to her horror, she did not even remember herself. She didn't know the woman she was looking at. She had descended into the deep fog known as amnesia. And for the next year, she spent time every day in memory reclamation therapy, slowly but surely getting herself together, getting her life back. At the end of this year of treatment, this is what she said, and I'll never forget it when it rolled off of the lips of Paul David Tripp. Memory is not just about knowing where you put your keys. Memory gets to the essence of understanding who you are. Are there seasons in our lives where we operate with functional amnesia? I pray this morning that the truths that are celebrated here on Sundays or, or during D-Now are distant from us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Because we cannot allow the waiting and the working or even a lack of wins to keep us from acknowledging we are in Christ if, we are, if we've placed our trust in Him. And so notice with me the text. Verse number 15 begins with, So then, brethren, which alerts us 
to the fact that verse 15 must be the beginning of the end. It must be a conclusion. Verse 15, a conclusion. Verse 13 and 14, however, being the reasons that drive us to that finish line. Let me put it to you this way. Our identity is found in verse 13 and 14. And our identity is what defines our obligation in verse 15. Let me put it to you again another way. Paul is going to give us instructions for the future. But he's first going to remind us of how we're going to accomplish what he has instructed us to fulfill. And he does so by telling us how thankful he is for the Thessalonians and how they are in Christ. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. So with our identity in mind, I want us to notice four things about our identity in Christ from this text. Because I'm convinced when we realize more fully who we are and whose we are, we will be more susceptible to rejoicing and worshiping in Him rather than worrying about all the things that happen around us. Because greater is He that's in you and me than He who is in the world. So if you're in Christ this morning, First, I want you to notice we're family. We're family. Notice this language in verse 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. They're called brothers in verse 13. They're called brothers in verse 15 and well, as well. And, and, and let me suffice to say, he is talking about men and women here. I recognize that this language is common in the New Testament, and it's common in, in certain areas within the Christian life. We should not overlook it. We are part of a family, and this family is quite, it's quite powerful. 2 Thessalonians 1-2 tells us, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have God as our Father. We have Jesus Christ as our elder brother. And we're bound together by the Holy Spirit. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Sister Sledge had it right. We are family. The Olive Garden had a slogan one time that said, When you're here, you're family. Many church people operate under that slogan because they only act as if they're part of the family of God when they're sitting on familiar church pews under a familiar roof where the church sign out front states who they are. Hear me this morning. We're more than just a, a, a body, but we are the body of Christ. We are in Him. We're family. But this is not by virtue of earthly birth, is it? No, God forbid. 
For John 1, 12 and 13 tells us, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of flesh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You did not inherit the kingdom of God because of the earthly family you were birthed into. It doesn't matter this morning which side of the tracks you grew up on. You this morning, if you know him... I recognize some have said over, over time, well, I've been a member of that church for years. That's wonderful. Scripture says you must be born again. This only occurs by supernatural birth, which means contrary to so much popular opinion, we don't just look out into the wild, wide world and see all of our family. It's true that we're made in the image of God. It's true that we are fallen. It's true that we are in need of a Savior. There are things that bind us together as the human race. But it's not true that we're all God's children. Don't dilute the truth. Don't water this privilege we have down because we belong to the family of God by birth and by adoption. We've been grafted in. I wonder this morning, I hope you can tell how excited I am about this. Do you know who you are and whose you are? I'm thankful that my parents are here this morning, but more important than, than me being identified as a Watson. Do you know this Jesus? If you do, we're family. Number two this morning, not only are we family, but we're loved. Don't read through verse 13 too quickly. Verse 13, notice this, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord. One writer said that this word beloved carries the idea of holding close or tight to one's self. How sweet that must have sounded to, to these Thessalonians who, remember now, were oppressed. They were opposed they were facing persecution. They understood that the struggle was real. And so as they lived their life knowing that they would be surrounded by people who hated them, not because of who they were, but because of what they believed, to hear that this Jesus loves them was transformative to say the least. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for these Thessalonians to hear the Apostle Paul say, you are beloved by the Lord? You may be fools in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God, you're beloved. And again, this is not a generic God loves everybody. <laughs> I heard this once. God loves you, but again, he loves everyone. And, and hear me this morning, we may be prone to think that that that's just what he does. But hear me, there is a sense in which God loves everyone, but there is a difference. 
between generic love and his covenantal love. Can, can I illustrate this? Are y'all still with me? This is yes, this is no, this is I don't even know where I'm at this morning, right? Maybe it's that son you have who's on the football field who just scored a, a winning touchdown. I'm sure that you love all of those young men on that field, but not like you love yours. My wife and I are happy members of Maysville Baptist Church, and Maysville is blessed with lots of children. And the unfortunate reality is, is, is my son, who is two years old, is one of the loud ones. I don't know where he gets it from. I have no idea. That must run in his, his mom's side of the family. I don't know. But when I hear him cry, Pastor Zach, all the other kids may be crying but I can pick out his voice distinctly. Why? Because there is a love I have for him. There is a connection I have with him that I don't have with them. As we consider that this morning, you should be thankful as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. God has a, a love for you. He knows where you are. He hears your cry. We're family this morning. We're loved. If I had time, I would go to verse 9 through 12, and, and you, you see a very interesting contrast. There, are a group, there is a group of people who are deceived and sin a delusion and are living in unrighteousness and face judgment. But Paul says, I give thanks to God because of your faith. You are loved. You're in Christ, the creator of heaven and earth loves you. I, I wonder this morning if there's anyone who has walked into this building with a struggle that is bigger than you can handle. <laughs> you may not believe this, but I'm going to be fully transparent for a moment. There has been times in my life when I've walked into places that look just like Airline Baptist Church. And I've wondered, is there any help for me? Is there any hope for me? Will I make it out of this one? Or is this my last Hoorah. And then God will use someone to remind me that Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We sang it, didn't we? They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And hear me this morning, he loves you. He sees you. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So this morning, don't strive for acceptance, but strive because you've been accepted.
And you've not been accepted because of who you are in your flesh, but because of who he is as a sacrificial Savior who died on the cross for your sins and for mine. In Christ, we're loved. In Christ, we're family. Number three, in Christ, we're chosen. We're chosen. Look at verse 13. Because God chose you as the first fruits. Some, some translations say from the beginning to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Now, now I don't want you to misunderstand me here when we use this language of choosing. God did not look through the, the corridors of time and say, I need a heavy hitter for my kickball team. So I chose you. He's not looking at your situation and saying, I need the best person for the job. No, he is saying, I will equip those who aren't able. Which means it's less about us and it's more about him. Hear me, salvation is not a reminder of human accomplishment. It's a reminder of divine mercy. Think about how God set his affection on Israel. Who did he use? A man named Abraham, who may in your eyes look like a hero, but before he put faith in God, he was a pagan, idolatrous man who was wicked to the core. But Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So what do we do at Vacation Bible School? We just praise the Lord with our right arm and our left foot, and we turn around. God chose Abraham, not because Abraham was great, but because God is great. <laughs> You're looking at a man this morning who is a zero with the rim rubbed off apart from the Lord Jesus. I am a nobody. In fact, the Lord has blessed me over the last year to, to preach in, in several different contexts. And Pastor Zach, I have yet to find a good person. You did realize this morning that none are good, and that includes you, and that includes me. In fact, my righteousness, my good part, Isaiah said, is this filthy rags. So I didn't win a cosmic tryout because I didn't even know how to play the game. But God in his grace came to where I was and he rescued me. And that should bring humility and not arrogance. Verse 13, he said to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Notice this, this is God's work in us, sanctification in the, or by the Spirit, of the Spirit, because of this belief in the truth. Do you see the beautiful balance there? Do you see God's work 
and our obedience? The sanctification of the Spirit and you placing your faith in Him. We're family. We're loved. We're chosen. We're called. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to put the landing gear down here. You can probably hear it. It's beginning to squeak. But there's language of calling that, that speaks about the, the call to a specific ministry. A missionary, a pastor, whatever you may feel led to do. But, but we cannot negate using this word call, the clear calling to salvation. He said, to this he called you through our gospel. Through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, people are saved by grace. And what this means is people are not merely uh, saved by you telling what happened in your life. There may be some corroborating evidence to the gospel because your life changed, but this morning, we're not here to share about how our lives change. No, we are here to announce the good news. Paul said, I preached the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection was before you. He called you. He used a human preacher, but the human preacher didn't save. It's the message of the gospel That Paul preached. So much that can be said about this text. We, we see the Trinity here is God chose you by the Spirit for the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we could see these verses, verse 13 and 14 in particular, as, as giving us a, a clear understanding of the doctrine of salvation and the effectual call and justification and sanctification and finally glorification. But this morning on the hills of D-Now, this is what I hope you see in these verses. You today can be awake and alive. George Whitfield said, or it was said of George Whitfield, that many men exist, but George Whitfield lived. Because he lived a life for God. But so often, you and I are susceptible to forgetting. Can we be honest this morning? Our lives are easily derailed by circumstances. When we think more about the need than we think about the Savior. So how do we stave off this functional amnesia? Jerry Bridges put it this way. He said, preach the gospel to yourself every day. 
that includes today. Now, I'm not going to preach this point, and all God's people said, amen, because I'm convinced long sermons look eerily similar to hostage situations. <laughs> I mean, you are a captive audience, and this would be a terrible way to die. <laughs> But there is obligation in light of who we identify with. Knowing who you are and whose you are leads to verse 15. Knowing that we're family, knowing we're loved, knowing we're chosen, knowing we're called, we can just live a life on a bed of ease and relax and until we're called home, correct? In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Paul has two things to say to us, knowing our identity. He simply says this in verse 15. I'm going to summarize the verse. He says, stand firm and hold on. In light of your identity in Christ, knowing all that you're facing, stand firm and hold on. <laughs> now, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But a lack of movement often leads to stagnation and even boredom in my life. If you're ever riding in a car with me, and we're stuck in a parking deck, chances are I'm going to keep the car moving even if it takes me longer to get out of the parking deck because I want the car to move rather than to be stationary. I just want to go. But when you're tossed around, Stability is nice, isn't it? I don't know of anyone who has ridden on an airplane making it through turbulence on a spirit air flight because you didn't have enough money to buy Delta. Amen. Experiencing turbulence saying, you know what, I wish I could go through that again. No. Why? Because when things are in upheaval, we like stability. You may think that standing firm and holding on is only going to bring about boredom and stagnation, but as we stand in place, as we stand in the right place, we will be more appreciative of the stability that brings than the struggle that surrounds us. And so as I think about these believers and I think about our plight, knowing that they were facing persecution and false teaching, knowing that they had pressure and they had struggle, knowing that they were in so many ways questioning even the very faith, We're reminded to stand firm and hold on. I want to share that same sentiment with you today. 
child of God, knowing that you're in Christ, stand firm and hold on. How can I do that? Because we're family. Because we're loved. Because we're called. Because we're chosen. I'm serious. I'll never forget the words of that young lady who was facing the, the fog of amnesia. This is what she said. He, she said, memory's not just about knowing where you put your keys. But memory gets to the essence of understanding who you are. This morning may be the morning when you need to take a considerable amount of time and recall to mind who you are and whose you are. But then this may be the morning that you need to nail down if you are in Christ or you are not in Him. From this text, I think it's clear. He's calling you. He's calling you to trust Him. He's calling you to believe on Him. And so this morning, I pray that today is that day that salvation comes to your life. Would you stand all over the building if our musicians would come? I'm so thankful for the beautiful music we've, we've heard this morning. Your attentiveness as I've tried to preach his word. Would you this morning respond? Sir, ma'am, you're struggling. Maybe there is a, a need that you have. You do realize that he is able. Will you trust him? I can't say that I have x-ray vision. I don't know who is in Christ and who isn't yet in Christ, but I do know this. I know this, as he calls, you can respond. And the call has gone forth. Will you trust him today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for these moments of solitude. As no doubt there is a work happening in lives all across this room. Lord, we need you today. Every hour we need you. And in these next few moments, may we bow before you. Maybe it's taking someone by the hand and asking them to pray with us. Maybe it's bringing our burdens to the Lord and leaving them there. Maybe there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you as their Savior, but you're calling them because you died on the cross for them. May they yield to you today and 
trust you as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. appreciate you being here this morning and thank you again Zach for bringing the word if you appreciate Zach being here let him know real quick awesome thank you again um, and so you can, you can go ahead and grab a seat real quick before we dismiss um, just a couple quick things of course Wednesday night this week I invite you to come back um, be a part of that with Wednesday night supper but then children's stuff youth activities and then we're continuing through our airline DNA. Appreciate Clint filling in for me on Wednesday night. I heard he did a fantastic job as we continue to walk through our mission vision this week. We're starting our core values. Um, what are the values we want to practice as a church to help us fulfill that mission and vision? So just encourage you to come back and be a part of that. And so before we 
dismissed this morning. Uh, we had, of course, Taylor already mentioned, we had Jonathan here preaching for us to our students. I want to just invite him to come up real quick. And uh, as we dismiss, I ask him just to share um, any final encouragement to the students and to dismiss us in prayer today. So, Thank you, brother. Well, I want to thank you, church, just for allowing me to come. Thank you, Taylor, for the invitation to come. It's been a blast. I, I told the students and all those involved with D-Now, this is my second time to Georgia ever, and it all happened this month. And so, uh, man, I, I, I've been blessed just to be able to spend time and preaching the word. This morning, uh, Taylor asked me to, to lead a discussion time with our students. And in part of that discussion time, I, had a, I asked the students, is it hard to live out your faith at school? And they kind of just stared at me, you know, a little bit. But I got some, you know, I got some connection there and I could just see like, yeah, you know what it is? It is hard. And I'm like, okay, well, if you were to live out your faith in school, uh, would others look at you differently? And they're like, yeah, probably so, <laughs> probably so. And you know where I'm from in, in Conway, Arkansas, there's a lot of people who would claim Christ. They would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But yet the rest of the time, there is nothing in their life that says so. You know, there's a difference, students, between being and or, or, there's a difference between calling yourself a Christian and being a Christian. It's a lot more than just saying, I know God here, but when I know God here, that changes everything. And I want to challenge you as you go forward to be active in your faith. There's a lot of people who say they're a Christian, but yet there's nothing in their lives that says so. But for you, every single time you enter the campuses of your schools, you're a missionary. And you are there to be someone who knows God and makes him known. And that's my challenge for you, to stop living like a dead person. A dead person in Ephesians 2 is someone who, uh, you know, is dead in their trespasses and sin. There is nothing in them that makes us good, as, as Zach preached earlier. But, but Jesus, that's where he's at. That's whom we follow, whom we serve. And uh, he's our everything. So if he's your everything, be faithful to him. That's my challenge to you. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. Lord, it's all about you. You are holy, holy, holy. And we praise you this morning. Thank you for a wonderful time of worship and those that led us. Thank you for our friend and, uh, and brother in Christ who preached the word this morning so faithfully. And Lord, help us to, to be a part of this family, to be active, to love one another, keep each other accountable. Lord, be with us as we serve you together. God, it's all about you, and it's not about me. As we continue to worship you with our lives, Lord, I pray that we can exit this building and go out and be missionaries for you, making you known with our lives. Lord, I love you. It's all about you, King Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Real quick before we go, um, this is Ms. Renee Johnson. And so she is coming today as a candidate for church membership. And so before we dismiss, we just wanted to um, recognize that. And so if you are excited for her coming to take the next step to join our faith family, we just put her hands together and let her know how excited you are. 
Um, and so we, we want to do that before we dismiss. And so on the way out today, come by, let her know how excited you are for her. Also, if you get a chance, speak to Zach and speak to Jonathan um, and let them know you appreciate them being here today and then being here this weekend as well. And so we're excited for you, honored that you would want to take the next step in this faith family. And so we're here for you and we're going to rally around you. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Y'all have a great week.